Hi, welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 104, Lean Not. Hi, I'm so glad you're here. We're not in Psalms anymore. <laughs> that was a long stint of, of Psalms, although I did, like I said, end up enjoying it. Um, but now we're kind of in a similar book. We have Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, which is another collection of wise sayings, which ultimately Psalms was a collection. Well, I guess not of sayings. It was it was lyrics. It was um, the thoughts of someone's heart, but it wasn't a story and it wasn't a history of any kind. I loved what the Come Follow Me manual said about Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, which are the two books that we're studying. It says, Proverbs can be seen as a collection of wise sayings from a loving parent whose main message is that blessings of peace and prosperity come to those who seek wisdom, particularly the kind of wisdom that God offers. But Proverbs is followed by the book of Ecclesiastes, which seems to say it's not that simple. The preacher quoted in Ecclesiastes observed that he gave his heart to know wisdom, but still found vexation of spirit and much grief. In a variety of ways, the book asks, can there be real meaning in a world where everything seems vain, temporary, and uncertain? And yet, while the two books look at life from different perspectives, they teach similar truths. Ecclesiastes declares, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. This is the same principle found throughout Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Be not wise in thine own eyes and fear the Lord. No matter what life holds, even when it seems confusing and random, it is always better when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to talk about today. Probably the most famous proverb is Proverbs 3.5, which says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Sister Bonnie H. Cordon pointed out that there is one warning, two admonitions, and one promise in this scripture. Let's start with the warning. Lean not into thine own understanding. I was thinking about it, and I feel like this is like the big challenge of our life. Lean not unto our own understanding. We all know our own brains. We all know what we think. We know exactly why we think it. We know all of our, our reasons and rationale. And so it's hard not to want to trust ourselves sometimes over God because we don't know all those things about God. We don't know or have the perspective that he has. And that's especially hard when really horrible, hard things happen. I heard about a terrible accident that happened yesterday, and I'm not going to talk about the details out of the respect for, for the family, but I don't know how you wrap your brain around it. It would be really hard to be in their situation and trust that the Lord knows what he's doing and that this is part of, of what was meant to happen and part of his plan. Like so many things in the scriptures, it's easy to say them and to talk about how we should do them. But then when they're applied to real hard things in our life, much more difficult in practice. So the warning in that scripture, lean not into thine own understanding. Why was the word lean used? And what does it mean to lean? Have you ever leaned on something that you thought was solid only to be startled when you realize that it moves like a table or a chair that was too light? 
Isn't that just like our understanding? We lean onto our own understanding only, only to realize that our understanding is pretty fluid. We change our minds a lot. We're able to be persuaded very easily. So it's not a very solid thing to lean on. To lean means to rely or to derive support from someone or something. If our own understanding is not wise to lean on, is there any understanding that is wise to lean on? God understands perfectly, so wouldn't that be the best thing to lean on? In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So obviously, yes, the Lord has perfect, I was going to say far greater, but perfect understanding that is far beyond what we can even imagine. But do we need to lean on this understanding that the Lord has? Leaning implies that we're looking for additional support. Leaning implies that we're not getting the support we want from standing upright. Leaning is also something that seriously limits what we can go and do. If I'm leaning, there's I'm, I can't really just get to work, right? I'm, I'm actively leaning on something. I have to then use my own strength to pull away and do something else that I need to do. What if incorporating God's understanding in our lives doesn't involve any kind of leaning on his understanding? The Savior said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the Savior promises us that his yoke is easy and his burden light. When two oxen are yoked together, they still have to pull. But the yoke ensures that they are both pulling, that they're both still doing. If we are yoked to the Savior, we are promised that he will make our burdens light. Now, that phrase is an entirely other conversation that we could get into, but for the sake of staying on topic, the Savior can make our burdens light as we continue to pull along with him. Does being yoked to the Savior mean the same thing as leaning? I don't think so. When we are yoked, we are still working hard. We are still going and doing. But when we lean, we are relaxing our own effort as we rely on something else. So the question is, is the opposite of lean not unto thine own understanding true? Like I said, I don't think so. We all have plenty of things in our lives that we don't understand completely and perhaps don't even understand at all. Sometimes when there's something that I don't understand, that I feel like I have to put on the altar of faith and kind of say within myself, I don't understand this thing right now and that's okay because I wasn't ever meant to understand everything right now. And honestly, it's a testimony builder because if I understood everything, then then what am I doing? Why is God here? I was not meant to understand all things. However, just because I do that, I do that often where I say, you know, I don't understand this right now, but that's okay. But just because I feel that way, because I think that way, I don't think that that means that I stop trying to understand. I think sometimes when when we think of doing that, when we think of just trusting the Lord and saying, okay, I don't understand, but I don't need to, I think our mind stops there where we're like, okay, now I'm not supposed to keep trying to understand. 
I think it means that I am embracing the Lord's timeline as I continue my efforts to understand. It means that I am trying not to resent that timeline. It means that I discover and understand and appreciate other things as I begin to understand along the way. I think it means to embrace it as a journey rather than expect the destination of understanding quickly. I don't think that we can entirely lean on the Lord's understanding because we don't always understand his understanding. If we are removing or seriously diminishing our own efforts by leaning on the understanding and perspective of the Lord that we don't understand, I think that we will find ourselves falling over. This is why we are told that we always need to be nourishing our testimony. If we instead partner with the Lord, combining our efforts in trying to understand, being patient, humble, not resentful, not rushed, this is the recipe for enlightenment and alignment with the Lord and His wisdom and His perspective and His will. Okay, let's move on to the two admonitions in this proverb. First, trust in the Lord. We have often heard throughout our lives that trust is a two-way street. Has the Lord placed trust in you? Elder Stanley G. Ellis said, He really does trust us in so many ways. He has given us the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in this dispensation, its fullness. He entrusts us with his priesthood authority, complete with the keys for its proper use. With that power, we can bless, serve, receive ordinances, and make covenants. He trusts us with his restored church, including the holy temple. He trusts his servants with the sealing power to bind on earth and have it bound in heaven. He even trusts us to be the earthly parents, teachers, and caregivers of his children. Elder Ellis then posed some questions to us, helping us think about if we then, in turn, trust the Lord. He says, do we trust his commandments to be for our good? His leaders, though imperfect, to lead us well. His promises to be sure. Do we trust that Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ do know us and want to help us? Even in the midst of trials, challenges, and hard times, do we still trust Him? The hard things in our lives should come as no surprise. One of the earliest covenants we make with the Lord is to live the law of sacrifice. Sacrifice, by definition, involves giving up something desirable. With experience, we realize it is a small price to pay in relation to the blessings that follow. Under the direction of Joseph Smith, it was said that a religion that does not require the sacrifice of all things never has power sufficient to produce the faith necessary unto life and salvation. At one point, some Book of Mormon people suffered great persecutions and much affliction. How did they react? They did fast and pray oft, and did wax stronger and stronger in their humility, and firmer and firmer in the faith of Christ unto the filling their souls with joy and consolation. Okay, why did these Nephites that he's speaking of grow closer to the Lord, stronger in their humility and firmer in their faith of Christ? It said that they trusted him. Even in the midst of great persecutions and much affliction, they trusted the Lord. Elder Ellis continues, In whatever we do, we should not decide nor act out of the spirit of fear. Truly, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Do you realize that the idea of fear not is emphasized throughout the scriptures? The Lord has taught me that discouragement and fear are tools of the adversary. The Lord's answer to hard times is to go forward with faith. Okay, of course, as always, the best example of trusting in God comes from our Savior. As he was going into the Garden of Gethsemane, away from his disciples, he poses a question to the Father. 
Luke 22, starting in verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. As the Lord himself trusted the Father, telling him, Not my will, but thine be done, an angel appeared to strengthen him, and he prayed more earnestly. Is there a better possible pattern that we could follow as we enter into the moments of our hard? All of our hard things are different. For some, it might be struggling with their testimony. For others, it might be illness for themselves or for their family. For some, it might be turmoil in their country or lack of freedom. For others, it might be figuring out how to maintain gratitude and humility in the midst of abundance. But think of that pattern. No matter what your heart is, think about that pattern. He trusted the Father. And when he trusted the Father, an angel appeared to strengthen him. And then he prayed more earnestly. Is that how we react to trials, to our hard things? Do we trust and then pray more earnestly? There's no way you can follow that recipe and not have angels strengthening you. A few years ago, I remember pondering very seriously about the Lord's ability to heal someone close to me physically. I remember thinking, I have faith that the Lord could heal this person I love through a priesthood blessing if it were his will. And I remember really thinking about that and really trying to decide if I truly believed that that could happen. And I did. However, I very much also accepted the fact that it might not be his will. But I also believed that sometimes in order to be blessed, we have to ask for it. And I told my husband, what if the Lord's just waiting for us to ask and we're just not asking because we think it's probably not his will? We might as well ask. It was one of the most sincere prayers I have ever said with my husband. Sincere in the sense that I believed that the Lord could truly heal this person. I also believed that he wanted me to ask. However, I also trusted him completely. Of course, my will was that he heal that person, but I trusted that the Lord knew so much better than whatever plan I had in my head and sincerely wanted whatever he wanted. My own understanding would have screamed that this wasn't fair, that how could this possibly be the will of God? But yoking my effort to understand with him allowed me to accept that perhaps hard is what the situation was meant to be, that perhaps trusting in the Lord was what I was meant to do even if it wasn't what I wanted. The second admonition in this proverb is, In all thy ways acknowledge him. In Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 59, it says, Thou shalt thank the Lord thy God in all things, and in nothing doth man offend God, or against none is his wrath kindled, save those who confess not his hand in all things, and obey not his commandments. This admonition to acknowledge him is immediately followed up by a promise that he will direct our paths. Isn't that the constant question throughout our lives? What should I do? Is what I'm doing enough? Where should I go from here? What is the next right thing? We are in constant pursuit of the path, where we should be, 
what the Lord means for us to do in our lives. Why is trusting in the Lord and acknowledging Him so hard? It's easy enough to say, but as we've talked about, doing is something far harder. Sometimes what the Lord wants us to do or not do doesn't make sense to us. And when that happens in our lives, that's not a testimony against the Lord. That's not something that should weaken our faith. It should strengthen it because we were not meant to understand everything. So when we come to those times where we don't understand, instead of letting it derail us, we can think, you know, I wasn't meant to always understand everything. And this can be a testimony to you that things are as they should be. Elder Timothy J. Deitches related this story. He says, Late one fall, Grandpa was alone in the high mountains. Winter had already shown its face when he saddled one of his favorite horses, Old Prince, and rode to a sawmill to scale and measure logs before they could be sawed into lumber. At dusk, he finished his work and climbed back into the saddle. By then, the temperature had plummeted and a fierce winter snowstorm was engulfing the mountain. With neither light nor path to guide him, he turned Prince in a direction he thought would lead them back to the ranger station. After traveling miles in the dark, Prince slowed, then stopped. Grandpa repeatedly urged Prince forward, but the horse refused. With blinding snow swirling around them, Grandpa realized he needed God's help. As he had done throughout his life, he humbly asked in faith, nothing wavering, and a still small voice answered, Milo, give Prince his head. Grandpa obeyed, and as he lightened his hold on the reins, Prince swung around and plodded off in a different direction. Hours later, Prince again halted and lowered his head. Through the driving snow, Grandpa saw that they had safely arrived at the gate of the ranger station. With the morning sun, Grandpa retraced the faint tracks of Prince in the snow. He drew a deep breath when he found where he had given Prince his head. It was the very brink of a lofty mountain cliff where a single step forward would have plunged both the horse and rider to their deaths in the rugged rocks below. Don't you think that's true of us so often, when the Spirit urges us to stop and trust Him? How often is the Spirit leading us in directions that are safer, that will lead us to more success, that will lead us to more joy and more happiness? and to a path where we can bless others and bless our family and fulfill our purpose that we intended when we came down here to the earth. Now, I know we're reading the Old Testament. I probably should have tried to find an example in the Old Testament, but this one was just too good. I really wanted to talk about the stripling warriors. In Alma chapter 57, starting in verse 24, it says, And it came to pass, after the Lamanites had fled, I immediately gave orders that my men who had been wounded should be taken from among the dead, and caused that their wounds should be dressed. And it came to pass that there were two hundred out of my two thousand and sixty who had fainted because of the loss of blood. Nevertheless, according to the goodness of God, and to our great astonishment, but also the joy of our whole army, there was not one soul of them who did perish." Yea, and neither was there one soul among them who had not received many wounds. And now their preservation was astonishing to our whole army, yea, that they should be spared while there was a thousand of our brethren who were slain. And we do justly ascribe it to the miraculous power of God because of their exceeding faith in that which they had been taught to believe, that there was a just God, and whosoever did not doubt that they should be preserved by his marvelous power. 
Now this was the faith of these of whom I have spoken. They are young and their minds are firm and they do put their trust in God continually. Two things I want to point out in there. There was not one soul that did perish. And yet there was not one soul among them who had not received many wounds. What do we expect of this life? We're in our own battle. And it's a battle generally being fought in the world between good and evil and also being fought within ourselves between good and evil. Do we expect to come out of that battle without many wounds? We can't just lean on the Lord. We need to yoke ourselves with him so that we are equipped to go and do and expect to receive many wounds because that's what helps us grow. That's what this life was meant to be. When we receive wounds, it doesn't mean that the battle is going poorly. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.